0: I am very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Susan Ferrante. Susan is a dental hygienist and currently the school and government regional manager for ADEC, Incorporated. She is responsible for strategies and programs that maximize the company's sales efforts in dealing with dental education institutions in the US, Canada, and the federal government facilities worldwide. For over 23 years in sales, her main focus has been developing and fostering strong relationships with academic programs. Prior to joining ADEC, Susan's sales experiences included academic interfacing positions managing accounts in dental schools, dental hygiene programs, and other allied dental education programs and government facilities. Currently, she is a board member representing the Corporate Council for the American Dental Education Association and the Chief Executive Officer of CRET, the Center for Research and Education and Technology. It is indeed my pleasure now to bring you to my interview with Ms. Susan Ferrante. Susan, I am so excited to have you join me today on the podcast, and, and I can't wait for everyone to understand what you have done in the field of dentistry and how you got into it. So without any further ado, I'd love for you to share your story about how you got into the field, and then we can go from there.
1: Okay. Thank you, MJ, for having me. Yes. Okay. I'm honored to be here. You know, my story is a little bit different than most on, on how I ended up from dentistry and then into sales. Actually, I always knew that I wanted to do something in the medical field, but I didn't know what it was. And uh, my mom had a good friend that was a, a dental hygienist. Uh, chatted with her. I was very intrigued by dental hygiene. Just the stories and her passion on on how she interacted with people and it was all about health care. And so I headed that direction after practicing Clinically, for 13 years, I had uh, neck and shoulder problems. Oh. I'm actually left-handed. And uh, many years ago, when I went to school, because of the configuration of the equipment, I had to learn with my right hand. So muscle fatigue and just you know the lack of, of fully developed in my right hand, I needed to choose another direction. And I wanted to do something that I thought would make a difference. But also, I realized that I had good people interaction skills. So in coming to that fork in the road, I needed to make a decision. So I ended up um, going into sales and uh, sales and sales management. And uh, here I am today.
0: Wow. So what was it like? I mean, did you love the profession of of dentistry? And what was it like for you to have to give that up? You know, I really enjoyed it. It was fulfilling
1: for me. I'm a a very um, overachiever type person. I work for a very high end practice. I had a great relationship with the dentist that I worked with. It was like lockstep when we would work. Um, And so for me, it was very difficult to make that realization. You know, uh, something really funny is the fact that I thought, okay, I worked in a high-end practice. I could go work for a pediatric dentist. Now it wouldn't be so bad. But, you know, there's a mindset there. Not to say that it was wrong. It just wasn't for me. And I think when looking at the different options, I thought, you know what, I've really enjoyed this. I wanted to make sure that whatever I did, it was sales in the dental field and using my knowledge and background and, on all of my experience. And how did I bring that forward? So it was, it was disheartening because uh, it, was, it was really sad. Uh, the one thing I will say is when I was um, hired by ADAC today, I was, I was their uh, first hygienist as a salesperson, which is kind of interesting. First clinical person that they ended up hiring. Yeah,
0: so. Now, how long have you been with ADEC?
1: Uh, It's going to be 11 years. Wow. And you're the first clinical
0: person they hired? First hygienist in the field, field for field sales. Wow. Isn't that interesting? I'm surprised it took them that long. You know, you would think that they would love to have somebody that understands the industry of dentistry and understands what dentists really need and hygienists really need to work with. Well, you know what? The interesting thing is, I think their proximity to OHSU for being very close to the
1: dental school, um, any of their R&D or development, they really had a nice pool to be able to draw from. And they had a good pulse of that. And I think when you look back, uh, uh, you look back at core equipment in general, on being something that um, a female person might not be in that type of sales, right? I think it's a mindset too. Mm -hmm. So- you know, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed uh, that aspect of being in the field and then ended up coming up to manage the team and uh, being the the, the sales manager. So.
0: So congratulations. That's unbelievable because as most people know, you know, being a leader and a female leader in a male dominated profession is not an easy thing to do. And I'm sure that you've had your fair share of, you know, Obstacles to overcome in that, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. But you know, what was it like to go through that for you? And is this the first role you've had outside of dental hygiene private practice?
1: No, no, no. Actually, I worked for a couple of other uh, companies. I worked uh, for a Loops company. I worked for um, Euprity. I was the academic relations manager for uh, Colgate Palmolive and then over on into an ADEC. Wow. I've enjoyed every position that I've had. All of the positions were really geared towards sales, towards academia. So dental schools, dental hygiene programs, hospital accounts, and the military. So um, and all of the different steps in companies, uh, it's always been the same group of folks, which is for some reason a comfort zone for me.
0: Which is great because you could speak their language. I mean, you you know went through a professional school, and you can speak their language. And I think that that's one of the reasons that it makes it so easy for us to work together, because it's nice to have somebody that understands the academic part of it. It's very different from private practice, right? Very different,
1: very different. And I think, you know, when I look at ADEC, which I'm grateful for, is the aspect that even though they have folks that are geared towards the academic part, they do bring that private practice piece so You know, I think you've noticed that we always have two people that call on the school or there's more than one person. So I think it's having an understanding from so many different aspects. I think when we look today at dental schools and you look at the the students and, and so many of them might have questions, they might need guidance. And I think some of that with our local person that comes along, they have that sense of being able to, you know what, I can help you, I can guide you a little bit. Sometimes they get questions, sometimes they don't, but it's always knowing that there's somebody there to be able to help.
0: Well, I think that that's one of the best things about a great company is being able to provide guidance and support to the teams, no matter what it is, you know, being able to have that comfort in that relationship to call and say, oh, my gosh, this is happening. Do you have any idea what this is from? Because I know in my own practice, I really respected and loved working with, you know, the sales team that was supportive of me in the field, you know, and what I was trying to do with my practice.
1: Yeah, I I think it's very important, you know, we're still a family-owned company,
0: which is... Wow,
1: that's great. Yeah, it's very unique nowadays, right? But I think when you look back, two people that started at Ken and Joanne Austin really put together a set of principles and guidelines to how business should be conducted, how people should be treated, how do we value everyone? And, you know, that's very different today when you look at little companies being... of consolidated or bought up by some of those larger uh, publicly traded companies Um, i've worked for a publicly traded company nothing bad about that i've worked for private companies there's just a different sense and feel and having just a more intimate relationship with everyone on that that personal um, i I think even when walking through the factory people know who you are you know um, oh susan hey i I worked on that project for you And, and really the sense and i have to say there's such a sense of pride Because as an example, if they knew that they, uh, there was a dental school or program that had uh, a a remodel, I worked on those chairs. If they say, did you go to that school? I worked on, you know, so the, the folks inside and even to the folks outside, there's really a
0: sense of camaraderie and just, it's a family, you know, it's a family, which is really unique and remarkable today. It sure is. And I I will say that the one thing that that is critically important to businesses, I think, across the board, at least, you know, from what I've been able to, to see in evaluating different businesses along, you know, through the many years is that development of culture and that development of family. And I do know that we have that at Tufts as well you know, that that feeling of, you know, yeah, we're one family here, Tufts Jumbo, everybody lives and breathes elephants, you know, but that's just part of our our history and our our heritage, you know, that, you know, we are jumbo strong and and it just is a great thing when you have a good culture.
1: Yep, 100% correct. It really means a lot. And, you know, it's kind of interesting now, and I mentioned earlier, the grandson is uh, now reports to me, he's on my team. So, it's really nice to have a different perspective, third generation, and you know, they're still keeping it strong. And uh, you know, it's funny because we know them as a, the, you know, the founders, Ken and Joanne Austin, but to him, it's grandma and grandpa. So it's kind of it's neat to have that family piece of it that you know, it brings a realization to it as well.
0: Well, and what a great thing for a young person to see how much their parents have had an impact on an industry. Because there isn't anybody in dentistry that doesn't know Adec chairs. There isn't anybody. I mean, just the knowledge of that company is international, I'm sure. Yeah. And you know, and it's really nice to have that, you know, depth and breadth uh, throughout the world as part of uh, not only
1: institutions here in the U.S., but the team that I manage, we also are in charge of the federal, uh, federal government worldwide. So whether I'm in another country or you're someplace and we have field sales reps around the world, it's really interesting to see what the take is in other parts of the world when you travel there. So it's pretty unique. It's pretty unique.
0: That's incredible. So what do you think contributes the most to their culture at ADEC? Maybe what value or characteristic do you think? You know what? I, I think it's
1: their, you know, we have um, guiding principles called the ADEC way. And there's uh, 15 principles, but you know the one that always stands out is the concern for people. And truly, they do have a concern for people. Even what we've been through as of late, their biggest, uh, I want to say, focus has always been on the people. How do we do the right thing by the people? And there's so many different things that, but I look at that one. I look at their care and concern for others. You know, uh, doing business in a very with integrity so many different things and doing the right thing right and you don't hear that too often you know what is the right thing to move forward to take care of a customer to build the next design what is the right thing what is needed and I think so much of that really has a huge impact on on how they treat each other how they treat their customers how we treat our suppliers it just it's just part of the culture
0: Right, and it resonates everywhere.
1: It resonates everywhere. It resonates everywhere. You know, uh, something interesting, which I always keep, it's kind of funny. Our COO always talks about the cards that we have, and it's about our mission and vision and kind of always having it. You know, we want to ensure that whatever we do, that we have a a superior customer experience. It's about the customer in the end, whether the customer is private practice, whether the customer is an education institution or it's a federal account, even a DSO you know, and really um, so much of what they do from their mission, it's just making, uh, it's everything they do is for the betterment of dentistry worldwide. So, you know, it's not a, a knee-jerk reaction to, to come to the market with something. It's very, everything is very well thought out, kind of looking from a holistic view, which is really
0: important. Wow. So if you were to go back to the beginning of your career, what do you think, you learned the most about being a woman in a, a male-dominated profession. What what do you think you learned early on that you needed to be or do that you could help share with other young women who might be thinking about going into sales roles? You know what, I, I, I'm going to say this. I think, you know, when I started uh, 20 years ago, you know, the interesting thing, I think it
1: was more difficult to be taken at face value, right? You know, it always says that women have to prove what they can sell or their knowledge or their background. And often in some instances, men are taken at face value. And I, and I hate to use the phrase, because they're a man, it's there, there's a mindset or mentality. And I think what I learned is, uh, you know, it's constantly I had to prove myself. I really had to prove myself that somehow uh, you're a female, you can't do it, uh, it's too much. You know what? Uh, you think 20 years have passed and it would make a difference, but there's still those times that you have to prove yourself. and. Um, I think it was a struggle at first, you know, I have a a habit of always being uh, kind of uber prepared and kind of always thinking, okay, uh, what are they going to throw at me for different presentations or what are they going to throw at me uh, for presenting today? And kind of always having my kind of ducks in a row, making sure that I'm I'm kind of focused on what I need to have ready. But I think that it was really being taken seriously for my knowledge and my depth and my experience. I really had to prove myself. And I think learning from that, you know, I I think it was difficult. I think today it's a little bit different, but I think it was a challenge back then. And you know what, if you really know your, I hate to say this, if you know your stuff, don't be afraid to say you know your stuff. Even if you're at a meeting, if you know it, you know it. And don't hide behind the fact that, I really don't want to speak up. You know what, you're there, you have a voice, speak up if you know it.
0: Use it, exactly. And use it. Yeah, exactly. Use it. Cheryl Sandberg has said that in her book, you know, lean in, you know, don't don't sit in the back of the room, you know, sit at the table, ha- you know, make sure you're part of the conversation because if you're not, they're they're not going to pay any attention to you, and and you know, you're just going to be discounted right away. So you've got to raise your voice and you've got to speak your mind and and know your stuff. And I I agree with you. I feel like. You know, many times women are discounted or used to be that way. I don't find it that much. Not as much anymore. No, not as much anymore, but that we did, we were discounted, but you know, and there were times when I was told that I wasn't smart enough to do something and, and by a man and gosh, don't tell me I can't do something because I'm going to show you, I can do it. And, and I think that we do have to have that mentality, that mental toughness that says, you know what? Okay. I might've made a mistake today, but don't worry. I'm going to be, pre- I'm going to be prepared for the next time. And I, I will come with, with knowing everything I need to know about whatever it is that it's supposed to be. So.
1: Yeah. And you know what? The other thing too, is, uh, you know, I think that as I morphed and I went into uh, field sales at Ada, you know, it, it is a male dominated, uh, it just the way it is. It's, it's male dominated. And I had male counterparts that I had to work with and you know i'm sure i'm sure and nobody's ever said it to me you know i gotta work with her today i'm sure right that's a a little slight but you know what i'm gonna tell you to this day when i was in the field uh, i've earned their all of their respect and even though i'm i don't i'm not their manager i don't work with them i get calls from some of those guys all the time just checking in how you doing how's everything i think you earn their respect you show up you be present you know you input to knowledge that you have and you gain their respect. It's not that much today. It's it's very, very different. I think when I first started, it was much tougher.
0: Uh, I agree. I agree. If 20 years ago, it was still tough. Um, and 30 years ago, there's some stories that would make the hair stand on your back that I, I've heard from some of uh, the women that I've interviewed. And You know, so much so that you know they were they were intimidated by men in dental school, saying, "You're taking the spot of another uh, man. What are you doing here? Why are you wasting our time?" I mean, you know, that to me is borderlines on bullying. Uh, Now we wouldn't tolerate it, but back then, you know, women couldn't say anything because the you know men ruled the world. So, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm so glad that we're beyond all of that. You know, I mean, it's part of our all, all of our evolution, right? male and female evolution. Absolutely. Was there an obstacle um, that you can think of that was really hard to overcome, but you're really proud that you did? I really do think uh, it's
1: just really persevering. And I think uh, being now and in the last, not even the last several years, I think from persevering just now being recognized for the same accomplishments as my equal male counterparts. You know, I look and I say at ADEC, I am the only female regional manager that we have. Um, We sit at the table, uh, you know, you you have a great year. We're all recognized for that great year. We're recognized for our efforts, for the aspects behind it. So I think even leading up to this point with ADEC and other companies, I think when there is something that kind of along the way, just to be uh, recognized in that equality aspect of it. It wasn't that way all the time. I mean, you know, I, I think back. It's so funny when we're talking, I think back to uh, a situation uh, about uh, several years back and uh, I went to a construction meeting at a school and, um, you know, it was a a renovation and I I go there with my local territory manager and and contractor dismisses me, totally dismisses me and said, you know, girly, sit down, girly, this is not for you. And I I was beyond shocked. And uh, my local, I've turned to the local territory manager's mail and he just shook his head. And the contractor approached him and he looked right at the contractor and he says, you have no idea. She is the one with all the answers. So you better ask her what you want. And so it was, it was interesting to think, you know, even in this day and age that there are people with that closed minded mentality and, you know, and that's my
0: aspect of just coming prepared. You want the answers? I have the answers. It's, uh, you know. But you have to ask me the question. Don't ask somebody else. Don't ask somebody else. You want the answers? I'll give you the answers. So it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, uh, there's, and it was so funny because
1: the local guy just shook his head and he just said, oh, I can't believe he went that. You know, it was, it was in disgust. It was kind of in a disbelief that, you know, she's here. She's got all the information. She's the one walking around with the plans. She's the one with all the notes. So, you know, interesting things, I think, that we've overcome. But, you know, I think it makes you stronger, uh, you know, the next meeting we go into, you know, and I think the really funny, the funny part in this whole story is that as this project moved along, as we got towards the end of it, I'd come to the meeting and people would look at me and ask, okay, what, like, what's the answer to that?
0: And I'm like. So that guy was eating crow right away, wasn't he? Totally ate crow. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. I love it. I love it. So, you know, those experiences make us tougher a little bit. And, you know, we're, we're expected to be, not be quiet, but we're expected to be subtle in our knowledge sometimes, I think. And not to overshare because, you know, that may not be the best. But I think that if we hold ourselves back, that we're limiting our ability to expand and improve ourselves. And, you know, I see other younger women, even in the the school, you know, not sharing what they might have shared with me in a bigger group where there might be more men. And I have, I have mentored them to say, you know what, you can't hold back no matter where you are, you have to be able to speak what you know and you speak your truth because that's a part of who you are and, and you're here for a reason. Use it.
1: Right. Yeah. And they were chosen to be there, right? They, they were chosen to be there. So they have qualities that makes them worthy of being there. And I think sometimes women, uh, we have a tendency to kind of withdraw and have a little bit of that silence because we don't want to overstep. I think that's just what it is. You know, um, I'm really fortunate. My sister is a VP of HR at her company, and uh, we share a lot. Uh, you know, she's my sounding board sometimes. Um, she's my confidant. We got, you know, we're close. Uh, she's been a friend of mine forever because she knows me probably more intimately than most people. But, you know, I ask her a lot of those questions because she does a lot with uh, women's groups and women's leadership groups, and she attends those regularly. But You know, and I even uh, have asked her, you know, being a VP, very difficult, you know, to be able to, you know, over this last uh, break of being home and kind of her thinking and doing things, you know, she recognizes that some of the other male VPs are treated very differently than her. And it's, you know, you kind of say, okay, but uh, she's been a good person for, I think, for me in general, also being faced with some of those same challenges. So it's not going to ask people at the company about that. It's asking somebody else in a a different manner that, you know, we kind of bounce things off and and she's guided me really well through the years.
0: (laughs) Well, I do think that that's so true. I think that we have to find other like-minded women that we can feel free to have those really poignant questions and answer sessions with each other because who else are you going to ask? You know, there aren't, you know, I'll even speak for myself. When I first arrived at Tufts, there were no women in the senior leadership when I was there. And I was one of the first ones I'd go to the deans and chairs meetings and there wasn't any other women in the room. And, and, um, you know, then Maria Papa George started to come and and those meetings started to improve. But quite honestly, it was, you know, I, I, felt in the beginning, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? But, you know, over time you realize, you know what, I'm here because they needed my guidance on certain things and, you know, they want me here. So I do think we do hold ourselves back a lot and, and we have to be able to teach that. I do think, you know, also that we need to be able to show the way to other young women and show them that they can do it. It might be a little bit easier today than it was for us when we were going, you know, growing through this profession. But I do think it's getting easier as time moves on.
1: I think it is getting easier. And, you know, um, I really wish that a lot of these young women that have questions or have things that they they see somebody maybe that they admire or that they've aspired to something and they ask those questions. I don't, you know, People are approachable, and no, and I really believe that that if somebody came to me and asked me something, I'd be more than happy to tell them anything. You know, I kind of look back that even when um, you had to hire people or interviewing, and um, you would interview people, and I think later on, you know, either they didn't get the job or you gave them some uh, words of wisdom or advice, and just something that would be normal conversation. I've had people come up to me and said, "You know, you told me." this or you gave me this point and you know that stuck with me and that's why I went in this direction and you think to yourself wow but you don't realize I think people do not realize the little bit of an impact something that you say can have or the big impact that they can have and some people hold things and take things and you know uh, there are people out there that that have this information and I don't think that anybody should feel intimidated to approach somebody and say how did you get there or what's your story about or what does that look you know, um, really, I, I am. I do feel blessed and very fortunate uh, because I really enjoy what I do, and you know, to have that and to be able to say that, I'm very lucky.
0: Yeah, people that are good at what they what they do, you can hear it—the passion in their voice—and I certainly can hear the passion in your voice. So, but and for me to really enjoy it, if somebody has a question, how did you get there? You know, please
1: ask me. You know, um, I had somebody say to me, uh, you know. I know that ADAC doesn't hire a lot of women. Why? And I thought to myself, why? And I said, well, we do have a lot internally we have, but in the field sometimes, because this is equipment. You know, you got to be on the floor and you got to look at utilities. And I told this person, I said, you know what? Here's the problem. Just do your job. You you know, just do your job. Don't complain. Don't do anything. Don't make it special that you're a female. Just do your job. And, you know, I think it's sometimes, and and she actually said to me, thank you. She said, it was pretty simple. And I said, you know what? i never, ever, ever wanted anyone, somebody to say, well, she, I hate to say this phrase. She pulled the woman card. I'm not pulling any woman card, right? Because you've heard that. Oh, she's going to pull the female card and it's going to exempt her from doing this. That's not what it's about. You know what? This is a job you were hired for. This is what you should do. You have any questions? I told her, Lifeline, you need me? Call me. Happy to answer the phone any single time. I think, but you know, once somebody gets in that and they understand that, it's fine. And you know, you don't know the culture that other companies do. And you know, uh, I think we've all worked for people that you kind of think to yourself, "Oh, that's just a bad representation of, of interaction," and, and or bad culture or bad culture or I hope somebody's not modeling you. You know, you kind of think that. So I think in the, the times that you can offer somebody any word of advice, any way that you can. I I, you know I always say call me anything you need call me I've had people call me not even working for ADAC, that that have asked me questions you know and you don't know what the culture exactly you don't know what that culture is like in their own company but I think you know there's a network of people it's really interesting right we all belong to from a corporate perspective we all go to meetings and there's you know corporates that are on one side educators on another so there's a group of us that are always together. You know, I think you just end up um, forming friends with a lot of these folks, talking through issues, and and you need a lifeline, you need a support line. And uh, uh, I think that's what makes people um, stronger and and also realize that they're not the only ones sometimes struggling with some of these issues. There's people out there that everyone has
0: the same thing. (laughs) Without a doubt. And I think you've made a very valuable point. You know, if you need guidance, ask, just ask. You know, don't be afraid, you know, just take the the chance and ask. I do think that there are women out there that don't put a hand back and don't support one another. And I do hope we're getting to the end of that era because, you know, that protectionist mentality where I want to protect my turf. You know what? There's enough turf for everybody. You don't, you know, your little piece of the world is not what I want, you know, don't be afraid. And the more you share, the, the better your world gets, I think, you know. I think that it's critically important to share. Share the wealth and everything.
1: I, you know what? I agree with that. I, I agree. I think we've all um, worked with people or for people that had a, and you, you kind of say, I don't ever want to be like that, right? And so I, I think that's what you take away with and say, I don't want to be like that. And so, uh, you know, how you interact with other people, I think you take those experiences with you and
0: say, I want to be better than that. Absolutely. So what's the single best piece of advice you've gotten as a woman? And just the best piece of advice doesn't mean, you know, a man gave it to you, a woman, it doesn't matter. But you know, what's the single best piece of advice you've gotten career-wise in your, your lifetime?
1: You know what, I think it had to be way back when I trans, uh, kind of transitioned from uh, dental hygiene to sales. You know, I think sometimes when you change careers, or when you move a step in your career, there's always the fear of the unknown, right? We always kind of think to ourselves, oh, how am I going to do this, right? Because those are the mental games that go on in your head. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get over this? What if it happens if they ask me this? What happens if they ask me that? And I was very fortunate to have a, a wonderful first manager that I worked with. And um, he said to me, you know what? Use your strengths. He said, and people don't want to be sold. They want to be
0: educated. And he said Oh my gosh, that's a great, great phrase. People don't want to be sold. They want to be educated. They want to be educated. He said, if you educate
1: them, the sales will come because you did your job on informing them on why product A or product B is the right thing for them. And you know what? That had stuck with me from the beginning. And I think a lot of that has to do with my success as a salesperson because I always have that in the back of my mind. You know what? It's not a matter of the sale. I want to educate you on the choice that you're going to make and then you make the choice. It's I'm not going to make the choice, you're going to make the choice. And you know, I always think back to, you know, even when I go to make a a large purchase. I think we all do. And, you know, kind of in my mind, I'm like, wait, they left that out, or they left that out. And you know what I think I think we look at it from both sides. So for me, when he said, you know, people don't want to be sold, they want to be educated, I looked at that and I've kind of conducted myself in sales all along the way with that same piece of advice. And I think that was so important uh, back then and it made a lasting impression for all these years and I've never forgotten
0: it. Now that's a great piece of advice. I'm gonna pass that on. Actually, you're gonna pass that on to this podcast. So thank you so much. Who has made the biggest impact do you think on your your lifetime career in dentistry? In dentistry, you know, know, I mentioned my sister
1: earlier and she's not in dentistry and um, you
0: know- You can use her.
1: I could, well, I have two. Uh, you know, kind of thinking through this as we're talking, you know, she makes me look at myself the way people see me, not the way mm-hmm. I see myself. And I think that's important to have that as well. You know, sometimes I always would and, and, you know, she's my sounding board. So I bounce things off of her and I kind of think of my limit to my potential on where I'm going to go. And she'd say, it's limitless. Why are you putting a, why are you putting a limit on where you can go? And, you know, I think everybody needs somebody like that. Truly say, No, you know what? We're gonna jump over this hurdle. Here's how we're gonna do it. Let's have a plan. And, um, I, you know, I'm blessed to have that. And my sister, I, you know, I joke around, she's my life coach. I have a personal life coach that I don't really have to pay too much for. Yeah,
0: exactly. Maybe a bottle of wine here or there.
1: And that works out very well. Perfect. <laughs> but I think when you look in dentistry, you know, I was thinking about this because Dr. Laura Joseph, um, she was my little sister when I went to hygiene school. and she I kind of watched her career through the years. I still know her very well. You know, she was a dental hygienist. She was an educator. She was program director and she's now provost at the school that she's at. And I kind of look back and, and kind of look at how she's just kept moving onward. She just didn't stop. She just kept moving, but she did it with such grace and humility and just matter of fact, I mean, it was just, it was role model worthy, I, I think, just the, the way she carried herself. And I think that when you look at people in dentistry sometimes and how they progressed or how they ended up getting to where they are, you know, it's not the bull in the china shop. I think it's all along people like my friend, Laura, that just kind of kind of inched her way along. She used her knowledge. She kind of used her and it's just, you know, here's my next step and here's my next step. And um, I think that's very, very admirable. So from two different sides of the house, uh, you know, I think I have my sister from really having that, uh, you know, my cheerleader, and uh, I have somebody that I look to and admire on how they, they conducted themselves to get where they are.
0: Which is amazing. I, I do think that those silent ones are the most potent ones, you know, that they just lead by example. You know, my uh, I, I have a great story that I tell about my dad who was epitome of a workaholic, but he never told us once that we had to go to work or that we should work or that we should work hard. He just led by example. And we mentally, I don't think had a choice that that we all were going to work hard just because that's what you do. That's what we're taught, right? That's what we did. And you know, it's, it's leading by example. I think the silent ones are the most potent ones and, and they do lead lives that anybody would be proud of because, you know, just doing it every day, not saying anything about it, not boasting, not, you know, making any, you know, ill-gotten claims. It's just they're doing it every day, day in and day out. That's right. Yeah. So when you reflect back, would you describe yourself as a confident woman You know, in your early years, even as a hygienist and then moving through your, you know, sales career, would you consider yourself a confident woman?
1: I'm not confident by nature. I'm not. You know,
0: I I think for me, when I look back
1: uh, from the, the aspect of dental hygiene, I really enjoyed that. Right. And I was good at it. Right. So sometimes when you're good at it, you end up having more confidence which is great. But I think for me, I think I have to really gain my confidence uh, a little bit by having uh, uh, a drive and and, uh, just a sense of accomplishment. Uh, Even now, you know, uh, for me, uh, probably uh, still have to prepare and get that confidence going before I walk into a meeting. You know, I I work hard a lot of hours. I think, you know, so many people do that today, right? We work and we work and we work. Um, I Um, I kind of make sure that I have it all done. And I think that's what fuels me to have the confidence. I think it's just being very prepared. You know, I kind of look at relevant information, uh, what's new or relevant now, what I'm going to need in the future. I'm just a a little bit of an overachiever. I have a little problem with that. But I think it's the education and the preparedness that really, um, really drives my confidence and really kind of fuels me to kind of walk in a room and give a presentation or uh, conduct some of the meetings or be on different calls. But by nature, I don't have that
0: confidence. I think I, it was really learned and, and, and kind of achieved for me just through my actions. And developed over the course of your career. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I do think that it's every step that we take along the way helps to build a piece of that confidence block, if you will. But I do think that for 99% of us, that that confidence, even with men, is not something that's innate to us. I think that imposter syndrome sits, you know, Mo, I call them mo and schmo, you know. It's the, the voices in your head that are always going back and forth and, you know, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you're not worthy of this, you're not worthy of that, blah, 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 blah. You know, someday you just have to shut those those guys off and, and just ignore them because bottom line is you can do this and don't let anybody tell you you can't. So don't let anybody tell you you can't. And it's just yeah, it's just being prepared too. I love the education piece too. I even during this COVID time, I saw that so much anxiety existed that if people just educated themselves to a higher level as to what exactly the virus is how to prevent you from getting it and what you need to do even from a personal level to make sure that you stay healthy. It relieves anxiety, right? And it's just all about education.
1: Yep, all about education.
0: Yeah, the more education you have, the more confident you feel and you can move on. Yep, absolutely. Good. Anybody in dentistry specifically inspire you? You know, I'm going to say... I think along the
1: way, we've all met people that have been influential, right? I mean, uh, they're influential in life and influential in career. And, you know, when I, when I think of inspiring, I really look at Dr. Henry Gromion that passed away recently.
0: Oh, just recently, I know.
1: Just recently. You know, I had the pleasure, um, you know, he's uh, the dean, was dean at LSU, um, the past chair of the board for the American Dental Education Association. And I actually serve on the served on the board with him. So over the, the last several years, I got to know him very well. And for me, you know, this was probably one of the kindest men that, uh, man that I've ever met as well as he had just a sense of goodness and his heart was just so open and kind. That really inspired me, you know, how he treated people. Didn't matter who you were, didn't matter who you were, he treated all people the same. And I truly believe at the end of the day, you know, it's not a matter of how many plaques you have on the wall, the accolades you have. It's really that goodness and kindness that you show others. And just by being around him, that was just inspiring.
0: You know, I have to agree with you. He's one of those people that I only knew at a distance, but have watched his career, have been inspired by him as a human. And he was pretty amazing. I will have to agree with you wholeheartedly. I was part of the Boston Master Track group, um, which is, you know, part of the uh, Academy of General Dentistry. And he came to teach for a weekend, one weekend, and he couldn't have been nicer and just, you know, open to answering any questions we had and supporting us. You know, you need anything, don't hesitate to call. And he just was amazing. Uh, You know, just a pillar, I think. You're absolutely right. He's a great leader. Yeah, Great leader. Absolutely. Have you had a moment in your time where you thought, oh my God, this is is exactly where I'm supposed to be, like an aha moment, like, oh my gosh, I've just done something that I have been meaning, I've been meant to do. You know what? Um, This is so
1: funny. I think, you know, for me, for being a social person, I am very blessed with being able to interact with people. From so many different backgrounds and professions. And, you know, for me, that's part of my aha moment because I'm very fortunate. Um, whether it's uh, engineers inside the factory, a colonel at a military base, um, all those different areas, um, I enjoy that social interaction. And I also think because I, I'm, I'm remote and I do get to travel, I think that helps that aha uh, moment because I'm not a nine to five person. Um, mm-hmm. I'd much rather be on a a different time schedule. You know what? I think for me though, as I look at uh, my career and and people that I've met along the way, I think my aha moment, um, knowing what I've done in my career, it's going to come when I retire. I just think that it's going to come after. And then I'm going to look back and go, you know what? I did exactly what I was supposed to be doing in life. And I've met so many people or I've impacted their lives or I've done something. I just, I just think that right now I'm just trugging along and, I, and you know, I enjoy it, right? And I, I get to meet so many good people. That's the aha now. But I think my overall aha moment will probably come
0: when I retire. Uh, I hope it doesn't take that long for you. But you have always impressed me every single time you've come to the school. So let that be a guiding principle for you that it's nice to see another woman in a leadership role within the dental education community. So thank you for doing that, really. Well, thank you. No, really, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, it's just, it's almost not expected because you know there's, there's certainly still more men in the field than there are women. But I will say that our entering class next year is over 60% female. So, you know, the the landscape is changing quite a bit. And I think that, you know, industry has to take note of that and start putting more women into positions so that they can capture the audience that they're looking to capture, the audience that is going to be bigger and bigger as time goes on, I think. I agree. So what's your favorite way to relieve
1: stress? Uh, You know, uh, I have a Peloton. So um, I love using my Peloton, but I'm going to tell you, sitting at this desk for the last couple of months has been a little bit of a stress, uh, stressful, uh, I think, piece for everybody. And for me, sometimes it's not a matter of, you know, going to ride and choose a program. Sometimes I need to walk away from the computer. I need to just go pedal, calm down, kind of relieve that and come back. But also I enjoy uh, long walks, just walking, putting my music in, Just kind of looking at the outdoors, the weather's getting nicer. Um, I do that on the weekends right now and during the week, depending upon how many phone calls. But I think, try to stay active. I think the worst thing right now, what makes makes stress worse has been sitting just stagnant at the computer because there are some situations that you can't change and people want you to have answers. And um, I think sometimes it's better to walk away and I like that my Peloton really does help. And it's been something that I've even tried to utilize when when and if we do travel again. Uh, who knows when that will be? But I've even tried to anticipate or use the long walks, traveling, kind of breaking up the day. So that's my stress, kind of calm myself down. And then I can always come back to work.
0: You know, I, I have to agree with you. I know that we were in a lot of meetings before at the dental school but at least I got up from my desk and I walked upstairs or I went to a different room or I saw different people. Right now you're sitting in the same spot for hours and hours at a time. You might, the screen might change, but you're sitting in the same spot and some days it can be overwhelming, you know, it can, and, and it was very different to be in the school during the emergency time where nobody was there. And then, so I'm sitting at my desk having these meetings with all these people, but nobody's there. So, you know, it's been an interesting journey for, for sure. But I have to say that if I had to choose between the two, I think getting up and physically moving someplace makes a, a big difference. I really do.
1: Yeah. I've even run up and down my stairs a couple of times just to
0: be moving because I felt like my legs were like, what's happening here from sitting so long? So I agree. I agree, so do you have a personal mantra or motto that you live by? I don't really have my own uh motto. I think other people
1: have given me given me my motto If you want something done, give it to a busy person. I think other people have kind of elected that to be my motto, but you know it's so funny because sometimes i'm I'm sitting here and and I see things come in and requests come in, and I always have that song in the back of my head of Kelly Clarkson what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stronger. (laughs) So sometimes I think, wait a minute, somebody gave me that motto and now I have a song playing. Sometimes it's overwhelming, but I do think that's also a sense that people have trust in you, right? If they want something done, give it to a busy person. So at some point I've earned trust that somebody has said, you know what? She'll get it done. Let's give it to her. I believe she's going to get it done. So while at times it's overwhelming, you know what? I welcome the challenge because that does mean that somebody has the trust and appreciation for the work that I'm going to do to get it
0: done. Exactly. Good for you. Good for you. And I love that that you have Kelly Clarkson singing in your ear. I think it's great. How about a guilty pleasure or a secret dream that you might want to share with the audience? Uh, you know what? I love to cook.
1: And, you know, whether it's... Um, Kind of working on a traditional family recipe that I don't really have the whole recipe and I need to figure it out. Whether it's in kind of inventing something new, uh, cooking is really my la- relaxation. But I think for me, if I think of a, a secret dream, I would love to take cooking to like the next level. And meaning to be able to travel and cook in different regions around the world. I would, given the opportunity when we start traveling again, I would love to be able to spend an extended period of time in northern Italy. Or Tuscany and really kind of being involved in not only the food experience I think but the culture as well. That would be
0: my dream. I have to say I'd be right there with you because that's number one on my list too. Uh, cooking and Italy. I think that that not being able to go at this moment in time makes me want to go even more. And my partner Steve and I were talking about it this past weekend as well that. We really, really, really want to go to Italy within the next year. So I hope the same for you. I hope you get what you're, you're dreaming about. And I hope we get a chance to go to nothing better than good Italian food. Oh, my gosh. My mother was not Italian. But man, oh, man, she could make a good Italian meal that will make oh, a- good. Which makes us all happy, right? I, I think that that's the piece about it that women enjoy the most, those of us who really enjoy cooking, that it's the love that you put into it that makes it taste so good and you know the, the joy that it gives you to provide sustenance or a beautiful meal for somebody else. I think that it just brings us so much energy. Yeah, and it's part of you. It's part of your heart. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I can't thank you enough. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience that might be helpful for them to, as they move through their careers? And, you know, especially like I had said early on, you know, if there's somebody in the down profession, whether it's assisting, hygiene, front office, that is interested in sales and thinks they might want to do that, you know, a piece of advice that you might want to share with them on what to do.
1: You know what I have to. Uh, you know I have two things. I think the, the first thing that I will tell them is, you know, if you want to get started at, in, in sales, I think number one, whatever you end up doing, whoever you end up interviewing with, always present yourself with confidence. I think so often um, people don't, um, and they feel that they might not be good enough, but go in there with confidence, even if you don't have it. Have an air about you. Make sure that you go there with your best foot forward. Uh, knowledge is power too. Don't be afraid to tell somebody what you know. You know, I do believe that that folks sometimes are kind of scared or hesitant, saying, "Oh, this is my first job. I don't know if I should say this. I don't know if I." Be confident, and I think the other thing too is is build relationships. You know, it is a matter of who you know and who you can can help you along the way. I think that if you build relationships and the people that you meet, you make them part of your network you never know. You just never know how they might come back to help you sometime some way along down the line in your career. So I think don't ever underestimate that power of building relationships.
0: Two great pieces of advice. So thank you very much. Susan, it has been my honor to host you on the show. So thank you so much for your time and for being here and for sharing what it's been like to be in you know the field of dentistry in a different profession outside of the usual female jobs that you could share with our audience. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you so much. This is really fun. So I appreciate you for, for thinking of me
0: and having me. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, Check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.